0: for your right party. You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Taylor.
1: What is going on Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of The Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined as always by my guy Caleb James. Caleb, we just watched uh, the Kansas City Chiefs get another victory against the Atlanta Falcons yesterday as we record this on a Monday evening and it was not the game that I think that many people were anticipating, including myself, as it was only a 17 to 14 victory in which young white the Atlanta Falcons kicker missed a field goal with no time left. Basically that would have sent it into overtime. So definitely, definitely not what we were expecting as far as a score, but another victory nonetheless.
0: Yeah. And you know, that victory also the chiefs are now 14 and one. This is the most games they've won in the regular season of all time in the history of the franchise. So that's just an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. And, you know, the Chiefs again come down to another close game, but it was another game where I still didn't feel all that worried. And, you know, he struggled a little bit throughout the day, but Patrick Mahomes showed once again that why when the game is on the line, you'd rather have him than anyone else as he led the Chiefs down the field to uh, give up or uh, to go score on the Falcons. And in typical Falcons fashion, they could not find a way to snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, and it has helped the Chiefs wrap up the elusive number one seed, so they're going to get a rest of the week of bye. It was a gutsy team win, I'll say that, and you know, give credit to Atlanta. I think they had a good defensive game plan for most of the day.
1: Yeah, people are acting like the Falcons are are terrible, and, and don't get me wrong, they're not a very good football team. But they're also a team that has lost eight games by one score. Like they're in every single football game. So you know they hang around. They do what they have to do. They they are pretty good at getting pressure on the quarterback, which they were able to again a little bit yesterday with with Mahomes um, making him run around a little bit and making him uncomfortable. Um, but nonetheless, like you said, when it was time for Mahomes to deliver he did on an absolute strike to DeMarcus Robinson on a nice little play and if if you recall the Chiefs Chiefs run this a little bit um you could call it, I, I've heard it called dino which is basically do, just double post Tyreek Hill in the slot he runs the first like crosser out and all Mahomes has got to do is read that high safety if he kind of sits in the middle of the field you have Hill one-on-one going to the other side of the field and if he jumps on Hill that's where you have DeMarcus Robinson Kind of running that uh, that corner post, and he did just that. The safety went with Hill, and he fired a, an absolute dart in there to get the game winner. But um, awesome to see the the one thing I do want to start at was kind of just Travis Kelsey. Kelsey in a, in a game where I thought it was probably Mahomes' worst game that we've seen. He really did struggle until the end, um, but he still was able to find Kelsey, and Kelsey had another seven grab ninety eight. T- 98 yards touchdown, and then he now has the most receiving yards um, in a single season by a tight end. He's the the only tight end in history to have multiple um, 100 yard or 100 catch seasons. Just just an incredible feat in in the longevity of which he's been doing it over this last four or five years is just incredible to see. But you know, big congratulations to him. And it always seems that when Mahomes really needs somebody. He's kind of
0: the guy that he is looking for. Dude, and he, you said he had the seven catches for 98 yards in the touchdown, and we just act like it's almost expected, and it's a given that Kelsey will come out and play that well. But, you know, we really should – I say it a lot on here. We have to be thankful and appreciative for how well he's been able to play and just how good Andy Reid gets him involved because – you see all this, what he's doing. This is what makes him a dominant player. Because, I mean, the you think the Atlanta Falcons didn't know that Travis Kelsey was going to be involved in the Chiefs game plan this week? No, they knew he was going to be probably a key factor against them in their week, their secondary headed in the weeks. So they spent all week trying to game plan for him. They spent all week running dummy plays to simulate what he can do. And at the end of the day, it still didn't make a difference. He still went out and put on one of his best performances of the year. He's playing lights out. I just, I just have really no words to describe how awesome he is. And we don't even talk about it. And he likely had the best play. He likely had the best game of anyone on the team yesterday. You know, he's kind of like that good steak. It's just like you don't really have to season it up too much. You don't have to butter it up too much. You know, you just throw it on the grill and let it cook. And then it's still going to taste great at the end of the day. And you know what? That's what they let Travis Kelsey go out there and do. I do think that, uh, I agree with you. He is my home security blanket. I think teams are going to be looking to take that away in the playoffs. So we're going to have to come up with some more scheming. But that wanted to bring me to the fact that I thought that, uh, you know, I was kind of underwhelmed with Sammy Watkins, even though they said he might have been a little bit hurt yesterday. I was more or less a little disappointed because I thought this was going to be a big breakout game for him. Now they might still be trying to rest him up. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, he wasn't in there, um, it seemed like, too long before he got hurt once again, which they said I think was a mild uh, calf strain, and he should be fine for the playoffs, which I guess is good. But, yeah, that's that's always the big thing to me because it looked like a lot of the time the Falcons were trying to play in, in that too high kind of shell and take away some of the, these deep shots that they know the Chiefs like to take and, and the way they stretch the field. And generally speaking, when that happens – um, it's Sammy Watkins underneath that they're trying to get the ball to into work into those into those those underneath zones. And he really was not much of a factor. Um, hopefully they can get him going, you know, for the playoffs, as we've seen playoff Sammy is is a real thing the past um you know, couple years or whatever. So they definitely need, they're definitely going to need him. They're going to need everybody to be full strength, really, when you think about it. I mean, you're going to the playoffs. You don't want anybody to be banged up. But it did seem like, too, on that note, is that Mitchell Schwartz, they said, it seems like he is unlikely going to be available to play in the playoffs, which is not good in something that we kind of – We're nervous about because you see with with these linemen, these these back injuries, man, do they linger and they can have a real lasting effect on linemen, um, especially.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I think the thing to think about with that is people kept saying, you know, they hope he's going to come back. In my mind, I figured that was probably going to be it for him, especially when you have a guy like him who up until last season, was the active leader in consecutive snaps played in the whole entire NFL. And when you consider he was able to do that at the offensive line position for as long as he did, it's truly remarkable that his body was able to last as long as it did. I think, though, that it was pretty telling is that he's had a couple of pictures he's put on Instagram of him looking like he's lost a lot of weight, and that's probably because he hasn't been able to lift or do anything since that Buffalo game. And, you know, like you said with that back injury, you have to use your entire body to play the game of football, and those muscles in the back are some of the most important for offensive line play, especially in pass protection, because it's a lot of the time what's going to be powering them and and giving them the strength to be able to keep keep blocking the pass rushers the entire time. So – It'll be interesting for sure to see if this is it for his career or if he'll try to suit it up again. But, you know, we've been talking on this show for a while. He's likely not going to come back from that, especially with a back injury. And I know people have been holding out hope for a while, but I don't think there's really any reason to keep holding it out, especially the way Schwartz has been live game tweeting. It kind of seems like he knows his season is over, so he's just going to be a fan like the rest of us now. And that kind of brings me back to the offensive line play, though, because it was ugly yesterday, and, um, yeah, it was it was bad. Rimmers was back in there, which it was good, I guess, to get him back in there, but he struggled at times. Wiley had another poor game at guard. Ryder didn't play well. No one really played well. Only guy on the offensive line I kind of liked yesterday that I thought had a few actually really nice plays it was Nick Allegretti, who probably played the best of any of them, but – you know Atlanta is weird. They got a bad defense. But they have the they have the fourth highest pass rush win rate of any team in the NFL. So it was pretty clear to me that their whole game plan for this game was going to be find ways to make Mahomes uncomfortable in the pocket. And they sure were able to do that.
1: Grady Jarrett was eating uh, Wiley's lunch on quite a few plays. He just he was getting immediate pressure. Um, we talked about Grady Jarrett in, in the Pod coming up to this game and said that, you know, he's certainly a player to watch along that interior for the Falcons because he he can wreak some havoc. And he did. He gave him some fits again yesterday. He he made some nice plays, had some nice pass rushes on them. Um, You know, the hope is that when you get into the playoffs and this is a game, too, that I'm not sure, you know, obviously you're going to scheme some, but it's a non-division game. So you're going to have less film on them. You're gonna have less experience playing. them. I mean, you're towards the end of the season. Obviously, you're still playing for something, but you're not gonna have a full blown game plan like you would for a normal, you know, a normal or a AFC type game, a conference game, or a or a division game, or anything like that. So you can scheme up ways to help the protection. That's one of the things that Andy Reid is so good at is is helping his offensive line and definitely in scheming around their deficiencies, Um, you know, he he still does put a lot of, um, a lot of onus on the tackles, definitely more than the interior. He kind of puts the tackles out on islands quite a bit and and you kind of, and that's why you've kind of seen the Chiefs struggle pretty bad at times, you know, when Fisher's banged up and they have in or, you know, they had to have Wiley or Durant in there at times a lot of the times these guys aren't getting help that you know he'll he'll you know eventually he'll get the tight end in there or the back in there to chip or something like that, but he really doesn't want to have to do that he wants to be able to to pass pro one on one with his tackles on the edges and then have the help along the interior between the guard and the the two guards in the center and those guys kind of helping um each other when they can and then helping um you know with the stunts and the twists and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and we kind of were talking about earlier in a little segue into the future for Kansas City, but we were talking earlier, we think that the the online in the off season has to be a priority, right?
0: Yeah, and you're a hundred percent correct, and I've been harping on that since the end of this past off season. I mean, just take a look at what was out there yesterday, I mean. Eric Fisher is the only guy on that unit that should actually be starting for a team on the caliber of the Chiefs. And to what you said earlier, it's remarkable that, that this isn't a bigger storyline for most people in the NFL right now, the Chiefs' offensive line issues, because we've been seeing that the entire line completely collapse. From the last season, the line that won the offensive line and the offensive line that started the season, it's completely shaken up and upside down, and they're really struggling out there right now. I think the offseason, the draft, and free agency, those have to be big periods where the Chiefs are able to hit on draft picks and be able to bring guys in. I can see the Chiefs going a couple of different routes because, you know, we still have Lucas Nyong, and he'll definitely be in the equation. Wiley's probably not on the team next year. Rioter might not be on the team next year. I'd say Wisniewski won't be. I assume Fisher will be back, and Schwartz is a question mark also. Allegretti will be back. But, you know, he's still another one of those guys that he's, you know, they're still going to come out there and make him compete, even though he is starting to play better. I could see them either going after a pretty sizable name, free agent, offensive lineman, someone, an interior player, more than likely, someone with a lot of experience that could help that unit improve right away, or they'll go the draft route and take one of those guys I've mentioned in previous episodes. You know, your Wyatt Davis is Trey Smith's. I've seen people, you know, I've been on Rashawn Slater for a while now. I've seen some recent mock drafts. People think he's going to go in the top five now. It's just that's surprising to me because he's a shorter tackle. He's kind of a tweener between tackle and guard. But I think if he were to follow the Chiefs, that's a guy that could immediately help them improve. But I think the one thing that people don't understand is when the offensive line is off, that's what gives quarterbacks happy feet. That's You know, it's plays like last week on the strip sack against New Orleans when Mahomes gets crushed from behind, and then he's got a dude putting his face mask into his chest. You know, that's the kind of stuff that gives quarterbacks happy feats. Now, granted, he wasn't hitting near as much, but that stuff can linger in the mind of a quarterback that knowing he's getting ready to get lit up and he's getting ready to take a big hit like that. So it's just a combination of all those things that are causing some struggles for Patrick Mahomes. And hey, listen. You know he didn't play. He didn't play his best football game yesterday, but you could see on the last drive of the game why he is the best player in the NFL. Regardless, you know we say he had a bad game. He had 280 yards, two touchdown passes. You know there's definitely been guys who have not who haven't had games quite like that. But the important thing is he still was able to go out there and get it done in the end and win the games that he's paid to win. But yeah, when the offensive line is struggling to pass protect the franchise quarterback, it's a little bit unsettling.
1: And to your point um, about Ryder and about Wiley, they're both going to be restricted free agents next year. So I I don't see, I mean, I don't see them, Kansas City paying them um, to to come back. I, I just don't see that. I think that you know, you got to see, obviously, what happens with Laurent DuVernay Tardif. If he's going to be back, obviously, he opted out to do the whole um, doctor thing to take on this pandemic. And then you have Mitchell Schwartz, see what his future is. And then you have Rankin, who we haven't seen play all year, which at this point, I mean, we're going to week 17. I don't think that we should expect to see him probably even be active. So, you know, those are potentially three guys that could be. On the roster, and those are also three guys that could potentially not be. Like you said, Nyang's coming back after opting out, so we'll see what his deal is there. But you, you do you have to make the offensive line as a priority because um, Patrick Mahomes is the is the best player in the world, and the one that you just gave the five hundred million dollar contract to, and you don't want him to be consistently getting getting pounded and taking the hits that uh, you kind of mentioned, like he did against the Saints, where he got absolutely crushed. Um, You know, that just, you can't have that. You can't yep. have that. And obviously the tackles are aging too. So even Fisher, you know, Fisher has been gutted out. And a guy that probably is underappreciated in my opinion, in chiefs kingdom where he, he's, he's not great. He's not, you know, top five. And I think a lot of the issue is, is that, you know, he went first overall. So everybody has the expectation that he is going to be, you know, the Willie Rolfe or something like that. Well, He's not that, but what he is, he's been pretty consistently a top 12, top 10, top eight left tackle in the NFL for, you know, probably since maybe his third or so year. It took a little bit for him to get in the groove of stuff. You know, he was kind of light when he was a rookie. He had to get his strength up, Um, but he's been pretty consistent as as a top 10 tackle, left tackle in the NFL. And I think that that kind of gets... kind of lost for Chiefs fans and I'm really how good he he has played you know it, it's something that I don't think he gets the appreciation that he really deserves for that and again I'm not saying he's some amazing world leader hall of fame guy but he's not appreciated to to the extent that I think right that um he really should be you know and take a look
0: at yeah take a look at the other guys in that draft class though, because I always had a buddy that was complaining about him the other week And I was like, dude, take a look at some of the other guys that went in the top 10 or top 15 in that year's draft. Some of those guys were out of the NFL in two years. The second best tackle coming out in that draft, Luke Jokel, he was washed out of the NFL in three seasons. It's ironic. The best player in that draft was actually a third-round draft pick named Travis Kelsey, who we talked about earlier on this show. So, yeah, people would say, oh, Fisher's not this or Fisher's not that. Okay, he has played in the NFL now seven seasons. He hasn't missed a ton of time due to injuries. He's now been in the Pro Bowl twice. He's helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl ring. He was one of the first guys that came in. He's a leader in the locker room. You know, he's an. I think he's a pretty good member of the community. He seems to be he's not running around doing crazy stuff like Dwayne Haskins. So it seems like, you know, he just gets a bad rep because, you know, everyone wants him to be the Willie Rowe for the Joe Thomas there's a reason why there's only a few people like Willie Roaf and Joe Thomas alive. But Fisher, I think he probably has another few seasons. He'll probably play three or four more years, maybe a little bit less, depending on injuries. And he'll probably walk away with another couple of Super Bowl rings and be remembered in Kansas City as a winner for a long time.
1: No question about that. And to your point, let's let me just read you some of these names. <laughs> it, it it is it's got to be, and, and you know what the worst thing is is I'll never forget it too is because the next year was the Andrew Luck draft, and, and obviously I was so angry at the time that you know we're one year off from getting Andrew Luck and blah blah blah, and, and you know now here we are with Patrick Mahomes, the the best player in the world. So I guess it worked out. But the this draft, so Fisher obviously was first, then Luke Jokel, Dion Jordan, Lane Johnson. Now, Lane Johnson has had a pretty decent career, um, you know. Obviously, very good player, but he's been pretty hurt as of late. So his his career could end up being cut short, much shorter than Fisher's. He's missed way more games than Fisher has. Um, Ziggy Ansa, Barca- Barca- Barcavius Mingo, Jonathan Cooper, Tavon Austin, D. Milner, Chance Womack, DJ Fluker, DJ Hayden. Sheldon Richardson, Star Lotuliuleli, Kenny Vaccaro, E.J. Manuel, Jarvis Jones, Eric Reed, Justin Pugh, Kyle Long, ah. Tyle <laughs> Uppert, Tyler Eifert, Tyler Eifert, dude, this is like Desmond Trufant, Sharif Floyd, Bajorn Werner, Xavier Rhodes, Dante, De, or Dayton Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Sylvester Williams, Cordero Patterson, Eric Alec Ogletree, Travis Frederick, and Matt Elam. That is like, there's maybe and, three or four guys in that in that first round that are still playing.
0: Yeah, and the guys that are, are studs. And you know what? Fisher's also a Super Bowl champion. I forgot that Hopkins came out of that draft class. And still to the point, though, best player of that draft class didn't even get drafted until the third round when the Chiefs uh, took old Travis Kelsey, so... Yeah, it's always funny to look back on that and see people complain. Well, the fact that there's four guys on that list still in the NFL, and the Chiefs literally had to get somebody to help protect Alex Smith, and you know, might have missed on Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson, though, has been a guy with some injury issues when he's healthy. He's been a top tier right tackle. So, but we can't really hold that against the Chiefs. And, you know, at the time, especially with them guys coming out of college, so. It's always funny to sit there and have people say he was Fisher, and I'm just sitting here, I'm like, God, I'm glad they didn't draft Luke Jokel. That could have blew up Andy Reid's entire comeback if they'd have had, you know, a bad offensive lineman like Jokel in there early on when Alex Smith and Andy first got to town.
1: Yeah, that was, the, the, you think about it, really, 13 was the start of kind of the Chiefs turning around their franchise from where they had been in a very, very dark, bad spot. So, I mean, Fisher, he's pretty critical in the turnaround, I would say. Like you said, Alex Smith, Andy Reid, Fisher, all these guys kind of getting there and starting to change the culture and getting into the winning ways. Like It all kind of started started to happen in those those early years there. So, pretty crazy to see. Um, Let's change gears to defense for a little bit here. Defensively, I thought this was one of their better performances, and it was against a team that really has a ton of firepower. Now, obviously, they were missing Julio Jones, but Kelvin Ridley has been an absolute stud um, since Julio's been out. You know, they still have Hayden Hurst, who's a solid tight end in the NFL. Russell Gage has been a pretty good, um, was a number three. Now he's the number two with Julio being out. But, you know, Matt Ryan has had, has had a really solid career so far in the NFL, and he still had a good day. I mean, he was 27 to 35 for 300 yards and two touchdowns against – against the Chiefs, but I feel like that's that was literally on, like, two drives, right? So the Chiefs pinned them all the way back at the one. They ended up scoring on on that drive where they kept getting chunk plays, and then towards the end there they got some big chunk plays. So for the most part, I thought it was a great performance by the defense. They had a ton of pressure all day, all day on Ryan. Chris Jones, Frank Clark looked great. Um, obviously, you know, the Falcons' line is probably the weakest point that they have, but still... Uh, you know they're a solid offensive football team, and I thought that was a really good performance by them defensively.
0: Yeah, it was really, really nice to see Sack Nation getting back, starting to get a little bit hot before the uh, playoffs start. I really enjoyed seeing Chris Jones out there because Chris Jones, you know, let's just take a look and talk about his play for a minute because he only had one sack, one tack, one sack, and that was his only tackle of the game. But the dude had four quarterback hits, and if you go down and watch it even closer, he pretty much had his way with them up front. He was using his hand swipe moves. He was uh, ripping and doing a lot of – he was ripping in there, and he was really causing some havoc in the backfield. Frank Clark, you know, he had a – I thought this is one of his better games of the year. He kind of looked like he had some more juice off the edge than we've seen lately. And, you know, I thought the defensive line, Alex Okafor, another good game. You take a look at it, the Chiefs had uh, 12 quarterback hits yesterday, and Chris Jones had four of them. Frank Clark had three, Okafor with two. Oh, yeah, and the kid Legereus Sneed, you know, he might be playing outside linebacker in the future if he keeps up rushing the passer like that. He had another sack and two QB hits. And then Mr. Turk Wharton, he had him one also. So it was an overall great day for the pass rush. But, man, again, Legereus Sneed shows his Versatility. He's a football player. I think they could line him up inside or outside at linebacker or at that slot corner anywhere on the field and he'll be able to make a play. And here's some, a good point about both him and another rookie, Willie Gay. When you guys are wanting to evaluate, do your own like player evaluations for some defensive players, the Chiefs could take a look at. Here's one thing I've noticed from both of those guys that Steve Spagnola got to town in his first year, his first draft is the DC. Those guys hustled the football, and they never stop their motors. From, their motor never stops running either. Because if you look around at some of those plays, you know, Willie Gay, he played perfect. No, he didn't play perfect, but yet yeah, he still went out there, and as impressive as is, led the team in tackles his first game starting in a game in which he could have honestly played better. So there's a ton of room for improvement still, which is positive. They're getting production, we can say that. And then the sneed, but those two dudes, they hustle, they finish plays, and they're always around the football. And when you consistently hustle the football, that's when you get some. That's when you, the football gods are on your side on that when that stuff happens. You know, maybe you get a ball come out. We almost saw it yesterday.
1: Yeah. And to, to that point, the, the fumble that the Chiefs did have, that I think it was Jarius Harris that recovered it, it was. Willie Gay and Latarious Snead combining on the hit to force the fumble because they're both flying to the football and they get the hit. They force the fumble and the Chiefs recover it. So, and, it, and you know, it's something that we we talked about before we kind of got um, started recording. It's just you always see those guys around the ball and that is it's is so good to see and they they fly around. They make plays. Um, and to your point about the pressure thing and the QB hits, uh, Matt McMullen again of the, of the Chiefs tweeted out this stat. Yesterday, and it said, as a team, the Chiefs pressured Matt Ryan on 44% of his dropbacks on Sunday's win. Chris Jones had eight pressures. Frank Clark had four. Alex Okafor had three. LeJarrius Sneed had two. And, you know, and obviously there was a lot of guys with one. But those guys all had multiple, multiple pressures. And, and 44 um, percent of drops, back, getting pressure—that's that's an incredible, incredible rate. So obviously, Spags was dialing up some blitzes, but I also thought you know you saw Frank Clark had the one great rush coming off the edge, dipping underneath the tackle, forcing a fumble. Um, you know, it was it was really good to see. I, I think it's something that moving forward, hopefully, that they can they can really kind of keep keep that up. But and it's something too. Uh, as far as the defense is concerned we talk about willie gay how it was his first game really starting so he played a season high 49 snaps um against the falcons darius harris darius harris actually led all linebackers with 54 snaps um just other things to note legeris sneed played 48 snaps which is about 71 percent of the plays and juan thornhill played 19 snaps so very interesting there um to that point, the linebackers, right, I thought it was interesting. You made this point, before again, before we kind of started recording here, is that we had Hitchens and Damian Wilson both out, who are your starting linebackers. Ben Neiman, who is their backup, who was doing okay for Ben Neiman, he ended up getting hurt um, a pretty early. I think it was the first quarter still that he ended up getting hurt, and he was actually gone for the entire game. So they were playing Willie Gay, Darius Harris, and then Omari Cobb actually got 10 10 defensive snaps. So they're playing all these linebackers, and they still held the the Falcons' offense to 14 points.
0: And it really was funny that, I don't know, I said a while ago, I said kind of the way the Chiefs play defense. I said linebacker is a position they can live without on defense just because the defensive line – If they do their job and the secondary does their job, those are the two units the Chiefs need to be able to have to succeed well. And, you know, I think some of that kind of goes back to the days of them having to have good pass rush and good, good secondary play is because a guy named Peyton Manning used to play in the AFC West also. And the best way to beat a teams that like to throw the ball a lot is good defensive line play and good secondary play. So Andy Reid's kind of always had those guys that can rush the passer and, can get interceptions in the secondary. But it was kind of it was funny to me that we had we had one third string linebacker in and one dude who I'd never even seen play football at any point before in Amari Cobb for the Chiefs up until yesterday in the practice. I suppose the practice I went to earlier this year, first time I'd ever seen that dude on the field. And I made the comment to the buddy I was watching the game when I was like, isn't it funny? We have like our second and third string linebackers in right now, and it doesn't really feel like it's having that much of an outcome on the game. I think that just goes to show you how good Steve Spagnuolo is, how good of a leader that Anthony Hitchens is. And, uh, you know, just the kind of culture that Andy Reid's been able to create these young guys. We haven't heard of them a lot but they don't come in the game and they get into the game and, you know, they're trying to run around and make plays. It's not a situation where it's too big for them. It's an actual next man up mentality. And to see that is encouraging to me because who knows, maybe Omari Cobb shows us something. He could be a contributor in the future. Maybe Harris shows us something. He could be a contributor in the future when the one they call Neiman is no longer here. You know, those guys are competing for their jobs too. Anthony Hitchens, he might not be around after next year. I assume Wilson, I assume they're going to let Wilson walk after this year, but. It's just something to kind of keep an eye on, but this team's also so loaded in other spots that they can get away with having some younger inexperienced guys playing the position of linebacker.
1: They do. And a lot of the times I like what they do with the linebackers. They really, especially when like you'll see Willie Gay, when they blitz him, man, he is, and it's just kind of in general, but you really see it on his, when he blitzes is just his athleticism and how much that pops. And they, can use him as a, you know, a blitzing um, linebacker against the pass. And they also use him, um, you know, on on run blitzes where he's in there and he's just blowing guards up and he's blowing fullbacks up. And it really, it just, it makes it very difficult to run. The Chiefs did another good job um, defending the run again yesterday. I thought that, again, Derek Nottie's in there making plays, just going, or going about his business, doing his thing. Um, but they really couldn't find much room to run again. And I think that really helps the defense, you know, and I know everybody talks about how running's not important or whatever, but it really, I think, helps the defense and puts puts the teams in the position where when the Chiefs know that they're going to throw the ball, they can do those exotic pressures that Spags loves so much. And it just uh, it allows, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones to be the, be those guys. If they get favorable matchups, um, we expect them to win. And obviously, they haven't done it on a consistent basis like we've wanted this year. But you saw yesterday, again, that those flashes where it certainly does look like they still have the potential to be able to do that because they did make they did make plays again yesterday. And and I think that um hopefully this is kind of what we saw like last year going into the playoffs, right? When they're started to make this run. It it's yeah. their defense. They're not, you know, they're not maybe a top, you know, fifteen, top twelve defense, but they're playing confident, they're starting to get after the passer, and they're limiting scores. And that's what they did last year. And look where it took them. They had to be just good enough. And they, when they are, you know, just give the ball to Mahomes last and Chiefs are going to have a chance to win the game. And that's what they showed again yesterday.
0: Dare I say the Chiefs defense might be starting to turn it on again like they did last year. Because this is something interesting to note. If you take a look at these close games the Chiefs have won the past few weeks, I believe every one of them outside – of the game against Miami, I think that had to do with the fact that the offense was clicking on on all cylinders early. And the Chiefs, if you take a look at it, they weren't giving up a lot of points in the first half. They weren't really giving up too many points in the first half at all. It's these teams starting to score late in the game when the game is probably already out of hand or out of reach that we saw some of these points. And if you take a look at it, the defense has really been doing a good job. They've been consistently holding teams – to just one or two scoring possessions in the first half. And that forces them to have to play, you know, that that you know, they have to they have to play like the Chiefs to beat the Chiefs. You have to be able to, we saw that against the Raiders this earlier this season. You know, when you're playing against the Chiefs, you gotta be able to score just as fast as they can. You gotta be able to take the ball away from them as many times as they can take it away from you. Gotta get them off the field on third down. And not every team can play like that. They just can't. They don't have the skill set, they don't have the personnel, you know. It's hard. And then in some of these big games, I'm thinking specifically against Baltimore, then the Saints and Tampa Bay, the Chiefs came out and they made sure they were going to dominate the game early. You know, they came out and had opening – you know, they were coming out and they were scoring within three plays of offense. They were coming out and scoring within the first couple of drives of the game, getting that big lead. Because when you get the big lead like that, it takes away a team's ability to run the football – But just sitting here looking at some of the rushing numbers for the Chiefs defense, you know, Atlanta was averaging 3.9 a carry. They had 90 yards on 23 carries. Their longest run was only 17 yards. Anything under four, you can live with as a Chiefs fan because those, you know, those little chunks are fine. They're fine for other teams, but. When you're going against the Chiefs, you're going to are gonna have to be able to do more. And I know there were a lot of people nervous. You know, Matt Ryan, I he's still a talented quarterback. His supporting cast has just fallen off, and he's gotten older. You know, he's got no Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley was pretty much shut down the entire day. So I kind of think this could be the turning point. And, you know, if you look around the NFL, some of the other teams' offenses are starting to not play so good. So that could be a big storyline headed into the playoffs where – We both will expect the Chiefs to go far. I really am curious to see, though, you know, this week against the Chargers. I think you and I both agree this week versus the Chargers is going to be the Darwin Thompson Fest, and we're going to have many a Garrick Dieter plays out here. So hopefully they make the smart call and rest these guys. You know, there's no difference between 14 and 2 and 15 and 1, especially when you have the one seed. So I'd give the guys a little bit of rest.
1: I, I'm I'm all about giving these guys rest. I, I don't need to see, I don't need to see Patrick Mahomes out there scrambling for his life, um, you know, taking hits from from these Chargers guys. And the Chargers defense always plays him tough, right? I don't need, I don't need to see that. I don't need to see Tyree Kill take an end around and and pull up lame with it with a tight hammy or something like that, where he's already kind of been on edge, kind of in a snap count last week with it. Um, you know, Tyron, Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, go have a seat, guys. You know, thanks for playing. You know, maybe in this, this situation like this, you want to keep Willie Gay in there. He just hasn't played a ton of football, so reps are going to be valuable to to him. Um, and you know, we don't know Anthony Hitchens' situation with the COVID, and we don't know Damon Wilson's situation with his in his injury. So he might have to play anyways. You know, if they're if these guys are still injured, but I, I'm I'm all about rest rest these veteran guys these guys that don't need to have, um, you know, the, the reps, maybe, you know, even like a Sneed, I, I wouldn't mind if he played a little bit, getting him some extra reps being a rookie, but even that he's so crucial to what we do defensively in playing that slot role and being able to be inserted in the box and blitz and, and his versatility along that defense is, is tough, um, to, to change out because Rashad Fenton is not the level of player that he is not even close. Um, So yeah, I'm all about sitting these guys and and making sure that they're healthy for when the playoff comes. And everybody worries about, will they have Ross? Will they have this? Will they have that? Well, you made a great point again before we started recording, and it was Patrick Holmes came off of a three-week knee injury where he probably barely even practiced because of the knee injury. And he threw for 446 yards against the Tennessee Titans, a game that I was at. And it literally, it didn't matter what the Titans defense was doing. And that was a game you could tell Mahomes did not even have his full mobility. And he was just picking them apart. There was no rust. I mean, these guys are top level athletes. They're not going to be rusty. If, If we're worried about them coming out flat and not playing hard. Well, I think that we have have bigger issues. This is the playoffs. Right. You're the defending Super Bowl champions. You're going to get every team's best. If you come out flat and you're not ready to go, um, then you just you flat don't deserve to win.
0: Dude, I'm so tempted to start talking about the playoffs, but I'm going to take a very coach and player like position on this one. Keep it one week at a time. You know, I know I'm going to be just dying to be ready to watch that first playoff game, knowing that the Chiefs are going to have that extra bye week with Andy Reid. And the fact that I think that some of the people in the NFL who are starting to say maybe that team up in your neck of the woods, the Buffalo Bills, they must have some very short-term memory because they're saying the Chiefs should be watch out for the Buffalo Bills. Last time I checked when the Chiefs played the Buffalo Bills, Patrick Mahomes didn't even throw the ball 30 times. And the Chiefs, very poor offensive line combined with excellent running backs, absolutely trampled them on their home field. So I'm not really too – concerned about all that i'm not going to get into any playoff talk right now though because i know where a lot of people are going to say this is going to be a boring terrible football game the Chiefs starters don't play you think this is going to be a bad boring football game for chad Henney? you know there's going to be some guys on the field out there this sunday they're playing they are going to get a job either back on the chiefs next year or with another team this year or with another not this year with another team next year based on their performance out there this week, you know, it's going to happen. It happens every year. And Maybe if it's a guy like Darwin Thompson, he's – we've seen no Darwin Thompson since Le'Veon Bell got to town, you know. Maybe it's a – you know, this is maybe a prove-it game for him because the Chiefs, you know, they don't have time to wait for guys to develop too long with Mahomes right now. So this is, could be a prove-it game for him. Maybe it's another prove-it game for Garrick Dieter, you know. Does he get to keep his job? Are we going to get to see – you know what, Nick Kaiser and Dieter, which Caleb's, one of them will be back uh, next year? And then, like you mentioned, it's just all the other guys that you know are younger or backups. You know, Bo P. Keys, What do we know about him? We don't know a whole. You know, let Willie Gay. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it looks like this will probably be, you know. Uh, Willie Gay, this could be the best quarterback Willie Gay plays the rest of the season in Justin Herbert.
1: Caleb, you still there? All right, I think we lost I think we lost Caleb for a little bit. He's having a little bit of uh, Wi-Fi issues. I know he said he's he's not in his normal um, spot where he normally records, so hopefully he's able to get that figured out. But kind of just to finish off his thought and where I think he kind of was going with that and to his point, um a lot of these guys are going to like the more you can put on film for other people to be able to evaluate. It's critical and huge for these guys that are in positions to potentially make rosters and do all that kind of stuff. They need to be able to do that because if you don't have film, what are you going to be evaluated on? Right. You're not in practice to have, um, those guys aren't in practice seeing you every single day the rest of the NFL isn't so you need to be able to do that and I, I like the call with Darwin Thompson let's get him some carries I thought that Darrell Williams was actually awesome this last week I thought he ran the ball really well um, with Le'Veon Bell getting nicked up and and right now it looks like Clyde Edwards uh, and lair is going to be on track to play but um, where you know it's not a certainty, and obviously with Bell getting nicked up with his ankle, that leaves Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson, and then obviously Elijah McGuire. They, I think, they signed to the practice squad. So let's get uh, Darwin and and Elijah McGuire some touches here, and, and save Daryl um for 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 the playoffs, and make sure all these backs are healthy. But Caleb, are you back? We got you back.
0: Yeah, you got me back on now. I'm having some computer issues over here.
1: Yeah, I thought, we, I thought I said you might have lost a little bit of Wi-Fi, but yeah, I was just kind of finishing your point there and saying that uh, you know a lot of these guys that they need to get film they need to put stuff on film so other teams can evaluate them because this is this might be their only, their only chance and especially with with the way COVID was they didn't get their preseason you know they didn't get any of their preseason this past year and then the way that they're talking right now with the NFL is you're going to lose two more preseason games but you're going to add a 17th game so a lot of these long shots this is a good opportunity for them if they're resting you know their starters to to get in there put some stuff on film and that always helps these guys, you know, potentially latch on to some, some rosters in the future.
0: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. There's no debating about that. This is going to get some guys a roster spot. You know, how many guys though do you see in the NFL that you think they have the game like that? I think if people remember back, Albert Wilson had a heck of a game, Patrick Mahomes first game, and he made a lot of money that off season. So I'd be even willing to bet to say we see DeMarcus Robinson go out here and play several snaps because you know he'll be a free agent after this season is over. Yeah. But just to reiterate, rest rest the guys, rest the studs, rest our stars. Don't want to see too much Derek Naughty on the field. Don't want to see too many of the starting defensive guys. And especially those guys that get banged up every play. This week is huge for them. I can't even irradiate. You know, you're a big guy like Derek Naughty, Chris Shelds, Turk Wharton, Mike Pinnell. You know, those guys are in there every snap of the game, taking on double teams, fighting two people, banging, bruising. You know, this is a big week for the offensive line to keep healing. This is a big week for, you know, the running backs to keep resting and healing. This is – the bye week's huge. There's a reason why the team that wins the Super Bowl, a lot of the team has the bye week now. I'd still be confident in the Chiefs' ability to go out there and play and, tr- and even win the Super Bowl without a bye week just because I think when Mahomes is on, he is that good of a football player. But it'll be a good game, and it'll be a good matchup. I think I don't know if I got this in before I cut out. Um, Justin Herbert could be better than some of the quarterbacks the Chiefs are about to be seeing in this playoff run. So uh, that'll definitely be good experience for a guy like Willie Gay you know if they do have him in there just to go against a caliber a quarterback like Herbert.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think that like I said that I, some of these younger guys like a Willie Gay and even a LaJarius Steed to an extent maybe you get him some extra reps just because especially Willie Gay, he just has not seen that many reps. He he didn't play his entire um last year at Mississippi State basically. He hasn't played a ton of football in general in his in his career at, at a higher level, you know. He didn't play a ton at Mississippi state because of this, that, and another or whatever. He, you know, he didn't have an entire offseason here with the Kansas city. He's gotten limited reps in games so far this year with this, this past game being the most. So the more that he can see actual live NFL plays, the better he's going to be. I mean, we've already seen the flashes of what he could become. Did he struggle some? Yeah. He missed a couple open field tackles that I was pretty su- surprised about. Um, but I think again, if he's getting reps, those things are going to become more easy because the athleticism there, now now it's just kind of understanding how to put that to use on the football field. And I think that that stuff doesn't come in practice. That stuff comes with, with game reps, right? You can only simulate so much in practice. That's why a game like that, you know, even a Turk Wharton where you're trying to refine your, your pass rush moves um, – this is a great game to do it against, like you said, a good quarterback who who makes good, you know, who can make throws, stuff like that. If they're looking for Juan Thornhill to get back in shape and get more reps, if they're worried about where he is and want to get his role expanded again, this is a great opportunity for them for them guys to get that and really get right going into into the playoffs and in that bye week.
0: That's absolutely correct. You know, we didn't even touch on Juan Thornhill. You know, he's probably just starting to. It'll be a year now since he tore his ACL, so he's probably just now starting to get back into that same normal groove of things. Be a big week for him to uh, get some reps out there and get rolling. So there's absolutely always going to be a lot to take away from any NFL game, and we're in a really good position that we're not sitting here waiting for, just hoping that they can just die already like the Jets are, and you know the Jaguars just hoping they can just go ahead and lay down so they can get to the draft. And we're not sitting here sweating it out like the Steelers and the other teams fighting for position, you know. But they're getting ready to be tested because they're that number one team still. They've had the target; they have had the target on their back for a long time, and they're going to have to get used to playing with that target on their back. Because you know those guys are going to try to. Uh... Oh yeah! Absolutely. Yeah. I was absolutely.
1: Say they, they would, and. They, they target on the back all every game. That's why everybody cries about their games being close. Dude, they're getting everybody's best shot because everybody knows that the Chiefs are the measuring stick right now. That's why when they're complaining about oh they you know they've only they've only, they're only winning by six points and one score, and they're only winning by three, and they're only doing this, and they're only doing that. Yeah, they're still winning. They've they've won every single game they've played except for one in the last 405 days but that's not, that's not good enough because they're not winning by by enough
0: yeah and everyone's saying all these other fan bases saying oh chiefs don't want any part of buffalo well, i I recall last time the chiefs wanted every bit of buffalo and Josh Allen played the worst game of his career potentially or not of his career of the season and the chiefs really made him look foolish and kind of squashed his little MVP many campaign he was on people said oh man the Chiefs are gonna lose by 30 to Baltimore there's no way they can come out here Chiefs came out and exposed several flaws in Baltimore oh they don't want to play the Colts give me Phillip Rivers at Arrowhead I love it I want more of it um you know who else the Steelers I don't know if anyone's watched the Pittsburgh Steelers play football lately they are a bad football team right now so it's interesting it's always funny to me because I've yet to have somebody tell me another team in the NFL with 14 better wins than the Chiefs right now.
1: I would agree with that. I still think that the Chiefs are going to be favored in every single game here on out um, for as long as they continue to play, which is hopefully quite a long time. And I guess the last um, kind of thing we'll, we'll talk about before we get out of here real quick is did you see the um, reports coming out that Kafka – was getting some interest for a head coaching position along with with Bianemy some but I don't think from what I've heard I don't think Bianemy's interviewed anywhere where you know some people have already started the interview process and some teams have been interviewed, but I was kind of shocked by that Kafka report is that something that you kind of expected or I mean I was I was really surprised
0: that is indeed shocking because Eric Bianemy has definitely played a key role in shaping Patrick Mahomes' career. And also, you take a look at a- all of Andy Reid's offensive coordinators since he's been in Kansas City. Most of them get head coaching jobs fairly quickly. So it's wild. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But, you know, I'm sure he'll get a shot in whatever team does. I think it's just interesting they gave Kafka a look over enemy because, you know, he's just the QB coach.
1: Yeah, that's where my thing is too. Is that if he he hasn't even been a coordinator yet in the league, so that, I mean, maybe just working directly with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback coach. I I don't know. I it's still very surprising to me. I mean, it's awesome for him, obviously. That's 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 great. So, but it could be at the end of the day, it could end up being that the Chiefs lose two assistant coaches on the off, offensive side of the ball this off season. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but. I just wanted to kind of get your initial um, reaction on that because I thought it was pretty interesting. But anyways, let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Chiefs are 14-1. they got a battle with the Chargers coming up. Um, knowing Andrew Reed's history, I think that he does end up resting guys, but that is to be seen. And uh, Chiefs are, you know, they already locked up that one seed, but why don't you tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find your stuff and where they can find you on Twitter and everything.
0: All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at CJ Scoobs. I'll have a couple of good articles for you guys this week on the Chiefs, doing a little film review, maybe post some draft content as well, so make sure you go check that out.
1: Very nice. You can find me on Twitter at JDiz1617. Make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live where you can find all of our stuff. I'll have the power rankings coming out um for this this last week on Wednesday um you know we have tons of podcasts tons of different content we have the merchandise store so make sure you're checking all that stuff out uh there's something there for everybody if this isn't um you know what you like to hear from us which i would be surprised if you're still listening if it isn't um but make sure you're checking everybody's stuff out there because Um, The more likes and shares and retweets and stuff, the the longer that we are going to be able to do this. And we love doing it and we love hanging out with you guys. So we appreciate everybody being here. And we will look forward to talking to you next week, guys. Talk to you later. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo!
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!